Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome to the Monday, May 25th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, senior NFL draft analyst at TheDraftNetwork.com, and I'm built by Built Bar. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Built Bar. Special promo code locked on at builtbar.com saves you $10 off your first box of the best protein bar your lips will ever touch. Today's show is all about one individual player, with the exception of some administrative items at the top of the show. We are going to talk extensively about tight end Mike Gasecki today on the show because Gasecki is a really fascinating. Sub study for me. When I think about the 2019 Miami Dolphins, the 2020 Miami Dolphins, the dynamics of tight ends and how they traditionally require several years of a quote unquote incubation period to reach their maximum potential, Gasecki started to turn the corner. Uh, his 2019 season was a tale of two seasons. What he was able to put on display over the final nine games of the year, if you extrapolate it, from the early season struggles and you project his pace over those nine games over a full 16 game season, you're talking about a top eight tight end. And when you include the touchdowns, arguably a top five from a fantasy perspective impact tight end in the NFL, but there's more at play than just Gasecki getting with a quarterback. That's not afraid of throwing into tight man coverage and letting his receiver make some plays. Right There's the change at offensive coordinator with Chan Gailey, and how does Mike Gusecki fit that puzzle, and how was it different than what he was asked to do and, and utilized in, in 2018 with Adam Gase? There's a lot of layers to Mike Gusecki that I think makes him a really fun player for us to talk about, and especially when you compare him to some of his contemporaries from the 2018 NFL draft at the tight end position, including two players that went in front of him, Hayden Hurst, who was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in the first round, uh, but has subsequently been traded to the Atlanta Falcons and has a pristine opportunity this year to break out with the Falcons losing over 200 targets in the passing game with the departures of Mohamed Sanu, who they traded midseason, and Austin Hooper, uh, who signed it with Cleveland with the Browns, and Dallas Goddard, who would have been my personal choice for the Dolphins to select based on my pre-draft opinions as an NFL draft analyst. But you know, Dallas Goddard, he stuck behind Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. Could Mike Gusecki see his production you know, continue to build and surpass based on the opportunity that he has to make this big splash and be the prominent tight end from the 2018 NFL draft class? That is yet to be seen. But before we get there, we have to talk about this video that went viral. Quarterback Tua Tungavailoa had a video go viral over the weekend as he looks to continue his rehab towards recovering from the dislocated hip and subsequent surgery that he had in November of 2019, which was suffered against Mississippi State. 
The hip dislocation, which was likened by medical professionals to that typically seen in an automobile accident, not something traditionally seen on a football field, served as a big roadblock for many narratives regarding Tungavailoa throughout the course of the NFL draft process in 2020. And what we have you know, since seen from Tungavailoa is promising. He had an extensive throwing session that was recorded and sent to all 32 teams. All the medical reports have been promising, and the Dolphins ultimately felt comfortable enough to draft Tua with the number five overall pick in the NFL draft. But now that Tua is on the Dolphins, naturally you're going to get this hotly contested debate on whether or not he should be in contention to start early on for the Miami Dolphins. The latest video is promising. Is it the cleanest footwork you've ever seen? No. Is it the most dynamic foot speed you've ever seen? No. But at the end of the day, the fact that Tua can go out and run ladder drills and showcase hand-eye coordination and do multiple things at the same time and have multiple layers of functional movement skills all happening at the same time, when he is just six months removed from this dislocated hip injury, that was likened to what you would see in an automobile accident, is no small feat. And that's the part of this co- context that is so easily lost when discussing Tungavailoa and the Dolphins' starting quarterback position, is it's been six months. Granted, uh, there is a possibility that he could come into the 2020 season medically cleared for action. But that's not a guarantee. And the fact that Tua is progressing as rapidly as he is, he had the ability to hold a throwing session and get out and throw on the move and have this scripted session and now is continuing to progress with his rehab is what Dolphins fans should be dialed into because, again, the Miami Dolphins rebuild was not a one-year-and-done, let's-go-win-a-Super-Bowl proposition. The Dolphins have been building this roster ever since Chris Greer took over with a long-term view in mind. That is absolutely positively and has been absolutely positively the mindset of this organization, which is why they were willing to trade Laramie Tunsil. If this team was looking for a one-and-done rebuild, they probably don't trade Laramie Tunsil for two ones and a two. So starting Tungavailoa early on as a rookie, no matter what his medical prognosis is, assuming that he is just cleared and that's it, is kind of missing the big picture view. And the big picture victory for the Dolphins right now is that Tua is out on the ladder, working on his footwork, working on getting back into playing shape, not simply trying to recover and rehab a ball and socket joint, which was forcibly removed thanks to two Mississippi State defenders landing on his back just six months ago. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I've been pumping the gas on these protein bars for the entirety of the month of May thus far, and I promise you it's not just lip service. These things, whether you want to use them as a post-workout meal, a meal replacement, or a healthy snack throughout the day, I can't think of a better bridge between meals than Built Bar. These things eat and chew like candy bars. They have, whether you like chocolate, desserts, fruits, they've got flavors for everyone. 
with 110 to 150 calories a piece, as much protein as an average protein bar, and one-seventh the amount of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar, these things are heaven-sent and are one of the highlights of my cuisine every single day. I promise, not just lip service, but don't just take my word for it. We have an offer for you as Locked On Dolphins listeners. Promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com will get you $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. Save $10 off your first box and find out for yourself what all the fuss is about with Built Bar. So let's talk about Mike Gusecki now. Because we teased at the beginning of the show that Gusecki is a case study for the Miami Dolphins that is going to be a fascinating one to watch play out and, and, and see how his progress materializes. Gusecki posted over 50 catches and 570 yards and five touchdowns throughout the course of the 2019 season. Those were a drastic improvement over the sad numbers that he put up. And quite frankly, Gusecki looked physically overmatched as a rookie. You know, he couldn't get out of his route releases. He couldn't get out into the second level. You know, linebackers collisioning him were knocking him way off his landmarks. It threw off the timing of his routes. He looked like a fish out of water. Adam Gase asked him to pass block in one out of every five snaps he took throughout the course of the season. It was a mess, and it's a classic case and example of a coach taking a player with a very specific set of strengths and weaknesses and asking that player to play nowhere close to what his actual best skills are. That's a problem in coaching, and that is at its core the primary difference between what Adam Gase's Dolphins did and what Brian Flores's Dolphins did uh, from 2018 to 2019. And yes, the team regressed by two wins, but the talent level was exponentially worse in 2019. The team played to their talent better. That alone was enough to take Gusecki from a fish out of water to a really functional NFL tight end in the modern NFL as far as his ability to get up the seam. And I think that the breakout that we saw from Gusecki stemmed from a number of different things. It should not be overlooked that one of the primary benefits was Ryan Fitzpatrick developing some chemistry and trust to understand that Gusecki has the length, the ball skills, and the catch radius to make those plays if he puts the ball over top of a defender's helmet. And you saw Gusecki repeatedly get up the seam and make those plays happen and high point the football and outwork defenders at the catch point. That was drastically different than what we saw from him in 2018. So remember the, I think it was the Tennessee game, Gusecki's first first career game, and they tried to throw the fade to Gusecki in the red zone, and like he they, he got pushed over, he fell over. Well, you know, Mike has done a great job developing his functional strength and playing to his physical strength and finding that functional strength at the catch point to no longer get bullied in those situations like he did. That's really promising. If you took Gusecki's pace from 
the final nine games after the season, you know, from the Jets, the Gusecki revenge game on Adam Gase onward throughout the remainder of that season. He would have been on pace for 741 yards and nine touchdowns. Those numbers would have put him in the upper echelon of tight ends. He still, with 570 receiving yards, finished 12th among NFL tight ends last year in receiving output. And he came on really strong in less than 10 games to get there. If you took his pace at 570, knowing what yardage of that came in the final nine games and extrapolate that over 16 games, you're talking about one of the top six or seven receiving yardage outputs for a tight end in the NFL last year. And nine touchdowns would have been tied for fourth among all NFL players last year in the past game. So we even really don't need to see another surge in production from Mike Gusecki for him to take the next step as a football player. We just need to see him sustain it over a 16-game sample size because if he plays, and he had like a game in that stretch that was one catch for six yards. He had two games separately in there that I believe were eight or 26 yards apiece. But he started rolling up the yardage, and lo and behold, he started finding the end zone. He didn't score a touchdown in his first year and a half in the NFL. And then he scored five in the second half of his second season. Started to use a player to his strengths. Now, what does that look like in Chan Gailey's offense? That is the big mystery question, right? Because Chan Gailey has not traditionally had an offense that has been kind to tight end. So what I've done is I've pulled the last six seasons that Chan Gailey had at stops across the league. 15 and 16 as the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets, 2010 through 2012 as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, and 2008, his one-year stop as the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this Chiefs team was bad, 2-14 and 14 bad, right? Herm Edwards, head coach, Chan Gailey, offensive coordinator, one and done. We'll start at 2008 and work our way forward. Here's the good news. Here's the silver lining. If you have a Hall of Fame player at the tight end position, he'll be fine in Chan Gailey's offense. Tony Gonzalez led the team with 96 receptions for 1,058 yards, 11 yards per catch, 10 touchdowns that season. Interestingly enough, his longest reception was 35 yards. Not a lot of explosive down-the-field plays. But then, he again, he also had Tyler Thigpen, Damon Hewitt, and Brody Croyle throwing him the football. So, take it for what it is. Tony Gonzalez that season, 155 targets. He got targeted plenty. High-end player. I think that is what we should be dialing in on if we're looking for silver linings because when you look at the Dolphins' supporting cast around their quarterbacks, it's Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki's got a really strong case to be the number two target in the passing game. Kansas City Chiefs in this year, 2008, 
Tony Gonzalez, 96 catches, 1,058 yards, 10 touchdowns. Dwayne Bow, 86 catches, 1,022 yards, and 7 touchdowns. A very clear one-two punch. The next guy down in the pecking order at 30 catches. So that is the ideal blueprint. Maybe not, you know, almost 100 catches for Gusecki. But if you take the production that he has, you extrapolate it, maybe he has another big game, maybe he's a little bit more stable. Yeah, I mean, we could be talking seven, 750, 800 yards. Eight to 10 touchdowns, ideally in the red zone. That is a trend that you will see as we work through uh, these, these seasons under Chan Gailey is you're going to see pretty high scoring output relative to the passing offense for the tight ends because of their size in the passing game. So 2010 with the Buffalo Bills, uh, David Nelson had some run at tight end and wide receiver. Uh, David Martin had reps at tight end. Scott Chandler only played in four games as the other tight end. Those were the three tight end kind of reps. David Nelson is, was more wide receiver than tight end, but at least, you know, big slot, kind of the same thing. Uh, he had 31 catches, which was tied for fourth on the team, 343 yards, 11 and a half yards a catch, three touchdowns. Leading receiver that year, Steve Johnson. Stevie Johnson had 82 catches for 1,073 yards and 10 touchdowns. The following year, Stevie Johnson again led the team in receiving with 76 catches, 1,004 yards, seven touchdowns. Scott Chandler, the big breakout. 38 catches, 389 yards, six touchdowns, though, which was second on the team. If you want to count David Nelson, he had 61 for 658 and five touchdowns. That's the big takeaway here as we look through this Bills tenure for Chan Gailey as the head coach of this football team. Uh, By the way, 2012, Stevie Johnson again led the team in receiving with 79 catches, 1,046 yards and six touchdowns. Scott Chandler, 43, which was tied for second on the team, 571 yards, six touchdowns, tied for first on the team. The big-body guys get a lot of the targets in the red zone. Big-body targets get a lot of the opportunities to haul in catches and make plays happen in tight spaces because when you space the field, you know the ability to elevate and get high and, and separate when you're covered becomes paramount. That's the whole thing with this offense is they're going to try and stress you by stretching your defense out and then taking advantage of the real estate by not having highly congested areas. So three consecutive years for the Buffalo Bills, 2010 through 2012, Stevie Johnson consistently led the team in receiving, had over 1,000 yards, and led the team in receiving touchdowns each of those three years. Good news for Devontae Parker. David Nelson, wide receiver, tight end, you know, credited with both positions on his pro football reference page. Um, his biggest year was 2011, had 658 yards and, and five touchdowns. He's listed as tight end wide receiver on that, that roster. Of course, the trigger man here, none other than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's the big appeal for bringing in Shane Gailey and the, one of the big appeals for keeping Fitzpatrick in the mix. Now, granted, this team did not have team success. Shane Gailey lasted just three seasons. Fitzpatrick threw a ton of picks. Had his best statistical season 
in 2012, his final year with Chan Gailey, 3,400 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 16 picks. So, bear in mind, we've got two years left with the Jets. We've seen a Hall of Fame tight end and Anthony Gonzalez had top-of-the-league production at the position. And then you have three consecutive years where the big-body guys, they get more touchdown opportunities than they got pure volume in the passing game. Which takes us to 2015 with the New York Jets. Brandon Marshall led the team in receiving. This team had two 1,000-yard receivers in Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker. You have to go all the way down to Jeff Cumberland for the top receiving tight end on this roster. Jeff Cumberland, by the way, had five catches for 77 yards that year. A lot of receivers in the backfield between Bilal Powell and Chris Ivory this year. Those two guys combined for 77 receptions. But what's interesting, the touchdowns from this group, Brandon Marshall, 14, Eric Decker, 12, both had over 1,000 yards. Brandon Marshall had over 1,500 yards. They're both big bodies, too. Now, the following year, 2016, Eric Decker's off this team. Brandon Marshall led the team in receiving 59 receptions, 788 yards, three touchdowns. This team only threw 16 touchdowns all season long. Yikes, Fitzpatrick had a rough year. Started 11 games. He went 3-8 and eight as a starter, 2,700 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks. Statistically speaking, a pretty rough season all around. But what's interesting is the volume in the passing game for every single stop along the way seemed to mirror the best talents on the roster. So while there is some concern that Chan Gailey-led offenses have not netted significant output for tight end positions with the exception of the one-and-done year in Kansas City, Miami's talent in the passing game by standing firm, not bringing in any exciting young receiving targets, and betting on Albert Wilson with the restructure, and Jakeem Grant coming back and staying healthy, and Alan Hearns, who they signed to an extension, and Preston Williams coming back from the, the knee injury that ended his season halfway through his rookie year. The most established talents and targets in the passing game are Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. And that is a bigger trend for me when I look at the recent stops for Changeli than the lack of receiving production from tight ends. It's they get the ball to their best players. They feed their best pass catchers. So if you are looking for an endorsement for Mike Gusecki to overcome what has statistically been some underwhelming performances for tight ends. He's the second best pass catcher that whoever the Dolphins quarterback is going to have at his disposal. And that leads me to believe that they're going to make sure he gets his touches. They're going to keep their best players involved in the passing game. That's what you want to do, especially if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick to start the year because he established really good chemistry with both of those guys. NFL.com listed Ryan Fitzpatrick as the the eighth best deep passer, 20-plus yards down the field on pass attempts in 2019. His expected completion percentage was 5% lower 
than what his actual completion percentage was on those throws. He had a quarterback rating of over 106 touchdowns on deep targets last year. And it's because they had these two big-bodied guys down the field, Mike Gusecki, Devontae Parker, and big-bodied guys in the red zone and down the field is what Changeli likes. So as I've done more and more research on Changeli and his offenses and the skill players that he's had at his disposal, I think Mike Gusecki is aligned to do a repeat performance, provided he stays healthy, of what he put on display throughout the course of the final nine games of the 2019 season. And if that happens, Mike Gusecki is going to put to bed the concerns about him being a selection that was a bust, which was very, very loud narrative after his rookie season. Understandably so. He did not perform well. But he also wasn't asked to do what he wins at. And that's the difference between an Adam Gase head coach and a Brian Flores head coach. And a Chan Gailey offensive coordinator, to be honest with you. Get your best guys the ball. (laughs) That makes sense, right? Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. I really enjoyed this deep dive into Mike Gusecki, his forecast, uh, fearless forecast. You can go ahead and put me down for over 700 receiving yards in 2020 for Mike Gusecki. I think he finishes second on the team behind Devontae Parker. Health willing, of course. But I feel pretty confident in that forecast now, having seen firsthand how Changale has used what he has at his disposal. So if you're a fantasy player, Mike might not be a bad idea. Odds are he's probably going to finish in the top 10 in receiving output for tight ends this year, based on what the tea leaves are telling me. This is Kyle Krabs signing off, Locked On Dolphins. Tomorrow is Power to the Pod, so you guys are going to tell us what we're going to talk about on the show. iTunes reviews, five stars preferably. Really enjoy the five-star reviews. Twitter, Locked On Fins with a PH. Going to solicit your takes with the hashtag Power to the Pod. Submit to me what you want to talk to, and we will make sure to on tomorrow's show we talk about it. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I hope to see you guys again tomorrow.